welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, co-host Justin Baker, and uh, you know we we started getting into it before we hit the record button. So I figured we're we're just gonna hit the record button and uh, and, and keep going. Uh, we're talking about Nazem Kadri, uh, of course, getting a hat trick in uh, Game Four, and uh, and saying, "Hey, this is for all the." Uh, all the haters out there for me, uh, particularly the haters who have been sending him some just just super high level tweets uh, about his ethnicity and religion. Good good job. Uh, so uh, Justin, yeah, let's just let's just jump into this, and then we're we're gonna get to to everything playoffs. But figured we we should just just kind of run with this. Uh, Justin, you were talking about his wife and uh, and tweeting out different people that were DMing them or, or different tweets, right? Something like that? Yeah, so she had, well, she had basically sent a bunch of screenshots to a reporter. Uh, can't remember specifically, but... Um, Someone from I The Athletic, was, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anyways, so th- this reporter basically took these screenshots that Nazem Kadri's wife have got of all these these threats and stuff, um, you know, saying, I hope your plane bro- blows up or, you know, whatever. And this reporter basically posted these screenshots, and now the guy's that were making the death threats to Kadri's wife were like, Oh, now I'm getting threats. Can you please take these screenshots down? <laughs> it's perfect. What the fuck? <laughs> and now, I mean, neither person's right. Right. Like no, no one just, you shouldn't just go and threaten because someone else is threatening. Like that doesn't, that's not going to do anything either. Um, granted it is for a much more justifiable reason. Like there's, there's some righteous indignation, behind threatening someone who's threatening someone else for something that is uh, I, i'll say out of their control or like it's it's their culture it's who they are um uh, yeah that's uh you, you're like kind of kind of in that like well you you, you kind of deserve to to get that but i mean hey freedom of speech you've got freedom to, to say whatever you want on the internet but uh that does not mean that you are free from consequences of that speech uh, you know, maybe the government's not coming after you, but uh, I mean, w- there are a lot of other people just like Nazem Kadri. <laughs> he is not the only Muslim in the world. Um, I mean, di- you just don't go after people uh, for for that. I mean, of course you're going to get death threats from someone else once you start getting found out. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But I just we'll we'll keep it at the hockey level. Nazem Kadri scoring that hat trick and just coming out and saying, "Yep, that's for all the people that sent me racist tweets." Like, <laughs> oh, I'm sure that felt so good. I'm sure that felt so oh, good. I mean, and and even on a lighter level, if that game wasn't a like, guys, forget about the fact that yes, I have been suspended in the past. Yes, I've done some stupid things in the playoffs. That is not the guy that I am anymore. I, I mean, Nazem Kadri. Go ahead and try to make the argument that he is not pushing that superstar level. I mean, maybe not the best player in the league kind of conversation, but take this guy and put him on any team. And I think he's a, he's a point-per-game player. He's going to be one of the top three players on any team in the NHL. Like Nazem Kadri has blossomed into a fantastic player. And I think this is the pinnacle probably for him. Like this is, this is all the crap that he's had to go through leading up to this season. Uh, and he's, he's making good on uh, certainly getting a new contract. <laughs> I, 
did he pick a good time to go Whew. ham on everybody? It, I mean, did he take himself from being a an, maybe an eight million dollar player, maybe eight and a half, to where now, if it weren't for COVID, I think he'd probably be in the market for for at least near ten. If it weren't for COVID, now because of the salary cap staying the same for, uh, I mean, it'll it'll be the same. Uh, what is it going up one million next year or something like that? Yeah, uh, but not moving a whole lot. Uh, it'll he's probably not going to get ten. Although if he went for like a five year deal, he might be able to get ten. But over if he goes for a max seven year deal, I mean, I think he's pushed himself into that eight and a half nine million dollar range. He's he's been unbelievable. Yeah, it's tough, right? Because one, you've still got a flat cap for a couple more years. I mean, yes, a million bucks is a million bucks. You can go out and get yourself a fourth line guy for that money now, but uh, still, that's not going to make a a big difference. And and you look at his seasons past, he's never once been a point-per-game player up until this point. So, uh, you know, yeah, a couple years ago in the playoffs, he had a phenomenal 15-game run for Colorado, but, um, you know, still, I I just – I think – you know, a lot of teams are going to be a little tighter on the purse strings there, especially when it comes to guys of his age, right? When you get up past 30, you become a little bit more leery about handing out seven, eight-year contracts to these guys. And you Yeah, know, it's true. As a 31-year-old, maybe not getting a – maybe you're looking for a four-year – you think a four-year deal, maybe a five-year deal? Yeah, he could – I mean, he could probably cash in at seven, seven and a half million bucks. I think there's plenty of teams out there that need top-line centers, you know, top six centers, so maybe – you know he could find the right fit, still get that that money, but eight, eight and a half. I don't. I don't think there's. Well, you know, it, it depends on where he goes, right? Like if he just goes, you know, and I'm going to take whoever's willing to throw the most money at me, then he he could. There is a chance he he could he could get that eight and a half nine million dollars if if he really wants to go to a team that is just desperate for a, a really high end player. Uh, but I don't. I mean. What are the te- probably the Philadelphia Flyers have been most linked to Kadri with him being you know basically the one number one center out there to acquire uh, after now not having Giroux and they've they've got was it seventeen almost eighteen million in cap space so they're they're like the team that could do it. Kadri kind of fits the mold of that Flyers vibe, uh, and I mean he'd be reunited with James Van Riemsdyk who he. Uh, he was on a, a pretty successful power play with him at, at one point in Toronto. Uh, you know, there's there's some some potential intrigue, but I don't think he's getting that much from Philly. Uh, he he could maybe sneak that much if it were a team like, let's say, the Buffalo Columbus. Sabers or like Columbus. Yes, a team where hey, we want you to come in and be the guy. Like he could go into Buffalo and he could be the guy. He could be their top center, and and really like. But does he want to do that? You know, especially after being on such a good Colorado team, does he want to go and and suffer again? Probably not. So, yeah, and you uh, have that that luxury of right. You're the number two guy behind McKinnon. You don't have a lot of pressure on you to perform, so it's easier for him to put up. Good well, numbers. but even when McKinnon was out, he was tearing it up. Well, yeah, because he plays with Ratton and Landeskog. I mean, of course you're going to succeed. I mean, and that's no disrespect to him because he's still a phenomenal player. Um, it sounded like but, you were being disrespectful. <laughs> hey, why don't you tweet but, at him? Yeah, I. I oh God, <laughs> just, I'm just gonna. Just I was t- <laughs> I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the HR guy comes out. Uh, 
that's that's Justin. If you don't know, he works in HR, so <laughs> he uh, he keeps us honest, um, at least internally. You know, I, I, I there's been very little sexual harassment since Justin started on the show. <laughs> very <laughs> little, but still some. <laughs> since I mean, we started the show together, so that's that's it. Um, still some. Have I have I harassed you in some way? Do we need to talk? Just uh, you know, sit me down with just one light bulb on crickety, me with your eyes on the crickety hanging hanging light. <laughs> uh, okay, well let's uh, we'll we'll move on from Kadri, uh, Colorado and St. Louis play actually tonight game five. They have a chance to go to the conference finals. Since I was actually surprised, uh, I guess. It's just been a long time, but Colorado hasn't been to the conference final since 2002. Uh, do you know the Do you know the other team that has that has also not been to the conference final since 2002? I could not tell you the no. Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh boy! Okay, which which you you know based on the two teams over the last 20 years, uh, it, it's fun. Like you wouldn't think, oh, Colorado. The last time they probably been to the, like they're they're similar. Granted, Colorado won won the cup the year before that. <laughs> and, yeah, I know uh, things started to go downhill after Sackick and Forsberg left, but I figured they probably would have at least been right, competitive, right? right? I, I remember know? they had they had some real down years, some real down years, uh, which is obviously that's how they got McKinnon. Uh, that's how they got Landis Cog. <laughs> that's how they got McCarr. <laughs> they, they had some down years. Um, but, yeah, after that, I remember there was a year where they – they barely squeaked into the playoffs with Craig Anderson as their goaltender. Remember that? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, guess I think Patrick they played the Wild Sharks. And they almost beat yeah. the Sharks or something. Yeah. Patrick Wild left in two thousand three. So there's yeah. There you go. But yeah. yeah. Uh, so they have a chance to go to the conference finals since, for the first time since two thousand and two. Uh, you picked the St. Louis Blues to win this series, I believe, in seven, right? I did say seven. Yeah. Okay, so, so I mean, still there's still a chance. Viable. Yeah, still a chance. Uh, how how are you feeling going into this this game seven? I'm not feeling good about any of my picks. If uh, if I'm being honest with you right now, maybe the Rangers. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, you picked the Rangers. Yeah, I picked Carolina, yeah. and I was just watching. Like I picked Carolina, Calgary. I did pick Colorado though. That was the and did, I, yeah. and I picked Florida. So Colorado, I think I think is probably my one saving grace. Um, I do think Carolina will ultimately pull it out too, but. But I, so I will say, uh, St. Louis. So I mean, if listen, if the Rangers can come back down three to one to Pittsburgh, I still think St. Louis has got a shot, right? They they're a former Cup winning team, at least most of that roster. I think there's ten guys on that team that that won the Cup, so there's still the core pieces are there that won the Cup, so they can they can do it, right? And I mean, granted, Bennington's not going to be there to to be the guy, so maybe uh, Billy Huso has to step it up a little bit from me from the last game because he looked, you know, not so hot, but. Um, yeah, I, I'm a little, I'm I'm fifty fifty on the St. Louis team pushing at the seven at this point. I'm just, uh, ooh, I mean Colorado just looks really good. I mean they they do look really good. I mean, hey, St. Louis has beat them at home, so there's that. Uh, very true. Like St. Louis beat them on beat Colorado in Colorado. Um, other than that, Colorado has only lost nine other times all year at home. <laughs> just just remember that <laughs> nine other times, they, and four of those times were in OT. So they've only lost five regulation games um, in re- in the regular season, and then of course they lost uh, game two. Was game two o- overtime? I don't I don't remember. I don't. Either. I don't think so. I think the Blues won by a few goals, didn't they? Um, anyways, the 
Yeah, so it's not an easy task to go and beat the Avalanche in Colorado. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough one, I think, for the for the Blues. Yeah, the Blues won four one in Game Two, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, you're not feeling good. I mean, I think anything's possible for uh, for this Blues team just because of the fight they have in them. Probably out of any team in these playoffs left, you could go. Well, this team definitely has the most fight. Left, like Barrett, not not including Tampa Bay, who's already through. Um, but out of the six teams who is who is left, St. Louis is probably the, the like that team where you're like they could grind their way back into this. But, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at Carolina, the Rangers, Calgary, St. Louis, I mean, I would take St. Yeah. Louis over any one of those if yeah. being down three to one at this point. So yeah, it's just man, Colorado's just so good, and they I think they they really have learned their lessons <laughs> they have taken some losses to heart and uh, they weren't going to let what happened last year or, or in past years happen again so I, yeah. I i'm thinking they're going um and it you know it looks like man is does anybody uh, my uh, just switching gears to a different series does, does anyone have you know, a desire to stop Connor McDavid? Like, does anybody want to play when he's on the ice? Because so far, I haven't seen the Calgary Flames. Like, do they not realize that, you know, maybe the best player to ever play the game is, is over there? Like, there's there's a legitimate argument that by the end of Connor McDavid's career, uh, let's assume that maybe he wins a Stanley Cup or two, just because if you don't win a Stanley Cup, no one's going to give credence to you're the best player ever. So if he wins a Stanley Cup or two, and if he continues down this road for another like five years and keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be like, oh, this is the best player to ever play. I, I, I really think that he's in that conversation at least. And uh, it'll take, you know, it'll take another five to seven more years of doing this to be able to be in that. But he, he he looks like he's getting better and better, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I uh, I consistently like to look at, at at players in terms of like generational, right? So like maybe you take fifteen or twenty year blocks and you say, okay, he was sure. definitely the best player. Yeah, um, like Crosby, he's like, the best player of of his generation, of course. Right, like you had you had Gretzky in the eighties, you had Mario in the nineties, um, you know. But you can also throw names like Sackick and Iserman in there too from the nineties, right? Those those other guys, Messier and, um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to throw Crosby's name. You're going to throw McDavid's name by the end of his career. There's, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind. He's going to be up there. And I mean, it's just, it's insane the way he's playing. And there's still a possibility if Edmonton, because I I don't know. I think Edmonton could have a decent shot. If Mike Smith, uh, doesn't let in half, you know, rink length goals anymore. Uh, <laughs> They could get past Colorado, and if he goes deep into the cup, maybe six or seven games, you could see Connor McDavid surpass Gretzky's total for you know most points in a playoff year. Yeah, I mean he's at twenty five points in eleven games. <laughs> twenty five yeah. points. There's no doubt it's he could hilarious. play twenty two games. I know, and it, what's even crazier is we don't even talk about with with Connor McDavid playing as sick as he is. Dreisaitl. Leon Drysidle is hurt. He's averaging two points a game, yeah, and yeah. he just became the first player in NHL history to go four straight games in a row with three or more points. Wow. 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. He's those two guys. Yeah, the Oilers are peaking at the right time. They they're that team. Like Colorado's been good all year long. This is not a surprise. Edmonton. I mean, there was a there was a time where I think almost everyone was thinking: Is Edmonton like Edmonton's going to miss the playoffs? Aren't they? Like they have to get a goalie. They won't get a goalie. I mean, this is. I I know they vote on GM of the year. I. I don't know if it's before the season. I know everything else is before the season. Uh, but my goodness, Ken Holland should be should be in the running for GM of the year. If if Edmonton goes to the Final Four, which it sure looks like they're going to go to the Conference Finals, honestly, Ken Holland is a is should be in the running for top GM of the year because I think out of all the other thirty one general managers in the NHL outside of Ken Holland, or the you know uh, thirty one out of thirty two GMs would have traded for another goalie. They would have done something rash. They would have brought in like, you know, they would have they would have done something to shake up everything. And he didn't do it. Like everyone thought they needed a different goalie. Everyone. And he just said, "No, nope, we don't like anything else. We're we're getting we're just going to well, stick yeah, with these was... guys." And it has worked out very well for them. <laughs> very well. well. Sure, I... We know Mike Smith is a good goaltender when he's healthy, right? But, sure. I mean, look, Kenny Holland, he just didn't have any options and any money to, to do that with, right? Unless well, you got but no, it was the first. Koskinen's he didn't want to give up a first-round pick. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm not and, giving up a first-round pick for this team. <laughs> Which is yeah, so funny. Uh, I just love it. I love that he he wasn't willing to budge, and and now it's paying off for him. And you know what? They're, like, How many of these teams going into uh, – Going into the final, like into the final four, you know, you look at Colorado. They don't have a first, a second, or a fourth for this upcoming draft. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, though, they have a first round pick. You know, that, like, that's that's something to uh, to maybe beholden because a lot of teams have given up their first round pick. Now the Rangers, they they have their first round pick technically, but uh, if the Rangers win this playoff series, it becomes a a first round pick instead of the the second round pick. So uh, if the Rangers beat the, the Hurricanes, then they won't have a a a first round pick. So there's another team that wouldn't have a first round pick going into the next round. Carolina doesn't have a first round pick, and Calgary definitely doesn't have one. Uh, does St. Louis have a first round pick going into next year's draft? They do. So you got the St. Louis Blues or the other team with a first round pick. So I mean, it, and Tampa definitely doesn't have a first round pick. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't know if they have a first round pick till twenty twenty seven, based on what they've they've done. No, uh, actually, oh, I lied. They do have a first round pick. Well, they just don't have one the next two years. They have one this year. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, if if you're Edmonton, right, you have to hang out of those first round picks because, I mean, next year's cap hit, they're already over. At eighty-two million dollars, after losing Koskinen's, you know, four point five million dollar contract. Now, again, a lot of that has to do with, you know, they they'll send guys down to the minors and, and, and spare yeah. a couple. And bucks Darnell that Nurse way. is increasing by like four point five million bucks, so that helps. Right, that hurts. But I mean, again, you need that first round pick to restock the cupboards to bring in those prospects who can come in and play, you know, top six or middle six minutes, you know, because you gotta you gotta be able to be a deep team to compete in this league, and if you don't have any money to spend and you don't have, you know, picks to, to deal or you're willing to deal, right? You got to draft good and you got to bring in those guys that can, that can, you know, be competitive and contribute offensively without costing you a ton. So those entry level contracts are so, 
so much more valuable to a team like Edmonton right now. Sure, and you're not getting Evander Kane at, at $2 million next year either. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to figure that one out. Yeah, he's. I mean, they should do everything they can to keep him for I like one it. year. One more year. <laughs> at least. Sign him for one year, but I mean, yeah, you're right. They... Uh, I, right now, their projected cap space for next year is $2.3 million. Yeah, so, the sad part for Evander Kane is because of his money troubles, he's going to go out and try to get the most lucrative contract right. with just about any team, I feel like. so. Right, of course. Um, yeah. And he's, yeah. I, I mean, and, and I don't, I actually think it's probably for the best because he, uh, he's great for the first year that he's at a place. Like, he should just, <laughs> si- he should sign a five year deal with a clause that says you must trade me after one year of service. <laughs> like you just have to do it. Doesn't matter what you can get. You just have to trade them every every year, and then I think you'd be all right. Um, all right. Uh, should we should we just talk a little bit about the uh, the Panthers and the Lightning since that series is the the one that's over? Oh gosh. Uh, did did you expect this? I mean, neither of us did, right? We both picked Florida in seven. Right. There was a good reason for it, right? We we figured after watching last year's Battle of Florida, we were going to get something pretty similar, right? Maybe sure. not necessarily the best series in the entire playoffs like it was last year, but uh, you know, we figured the way this Florida team is, they led the league in scoring. They brought in Claude Giroux, Ben Sherratt. They had all these amazing pieces. You know, Carter Verhege's been tearing it up, and um, yeah, you would think on paper, right? This this Florida team's going to really push push Tampa. And, oh, by the way, Tampa doesn't have Braden points. So right, I know. We could probably, you know, dismantle this team a little bit easier. Uh, not the case at all. I think I read something, and it just cracked me up, and I know you're going to appreciate this, but Austin Matthews scored more goals against Tampa Bay than the entire Florida Panthers team. Unbelievable. So. <laughs> and the fact that Florida is, like, probably the deepest team coming into the playoffs. Absolutely. Outside of maybe St. Louis, you could give it. You could give a nod to St. Louis being deeper, but they don't have the high end talent that Florida has at the top. No, I would still take. I would still take Florida deeper. Yeah. I mean, they've got Patrick Hornquist on the fourth line. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the Florida Panthers. I think that Andrew Burnett said it best. He just said, you know, hey, they've got a they've got more of a will to win than we do, and it. I mean, it doesn't help that they're out at a strip club. Uh, after game three, which it's hilarious because so I don't know if you saw this that they uh, they, they I guess a a reporter got a tip from their nightclub guy they called them their nightclub guy uh, who said yeah I saw a bunch of Florida Panthers guys out that Sunday night and if you if you think about the timeline they had a one thirty game in uh, in Tampa they went out. And then they had a 7 p.m. game on Monday. So, yeah, they had a lot of time to kill. Um, not a good look, though, to be out at the strip club at, like, you know, 1 in the morning or whatever it was when they uh, were seen there. And uh, then being down 3 nothing. Maybe if you're up 3 nothing, you would give it a pass. But down 3 nothing, you just can't do that. And uh, I know that Andrew Burnett denied it, said it wasn't true. And the reporter was like, yeah, he denied it. But, I mean, why would my... Why would my random, like, anonymous source lie? We have no reason to lie. He saw them there. And I confirmed it with him again. He said, I'm sure they were there Sunday night. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, out at the strip club when you're down 3 nothing. I mean, that truly, there, there's the will to win. And you know what? Maybe they were like, 
yeah, you know what? Screw you, coach. You, you don't think we have the will to win? We'll prove it to you. And they did. Like like an angry child, they just went out and went to the strip club instead of going home, taking, you know, doing the things before the biggest game of your career. Because pretty much all the players on that team, especially the ones who have been in the Panthers for several seasons, especially, you know, guys like Barkov and Huberdo and uh that was the biggest game of their career and they blew it. The biggest yeah. series of their career and they blew it again. So it's uh, now what I would like to know is who is there, right? If it's the Barkoffs and the Jeruz, that's a big problem. Now, if it's guys like Anton Lundell and Mason Marchant and, and, you know, people like that, then sure. yeah, okay, maybe I'll give them a pass young and dumb. But, uh, you know, when you're the voice, you're the leaders of that locker room, right? You should not be out at the no. strip club. No, so probably not. And, I think this this series. I, I hate to say, it, but I think it's going to cost Andrew Burnett his job. It uh, should. Yeah, it I mean, should. Li- li- listen. Even he, though he, well, he's, he's up for coach of the year. What if he wins coach of the year and gets fired immediately? I know. <laughs> Which I could know. happen. Because I, I think they'll probably give him another shot. I I don't think so because I think really, I mean, you you don't have a first round draft pick for the next three drafts, right? You've traded everything away. Um, you know, Claude Drew's come out and said that he would entertain going back to Florida, which is great. So you'd have to to move some pieces around, right? You might have to buy out Patrick Cornquist. That'll save you three and a half million bucks next year. And I think they could probably. I think somebody would would be willing to take Patrick Cornquist. Right. Well, maybe, maybe not. But you know, again, even if you have to buy him out, right? Not a big deal because you save three and a half million bucks next year. And uh, you know, again, I I think they're going to make some changes, not drastic changes, but you could see a guy like Sam Bennett get moved. Uh, you know, there's going to be plenty of teams that would want to take a 25 year old that at four and a half million bucks. So, um, you know, again, I just, I think really it's, it's going to be hard to make changes, uh, with this roster and it's easier to make changes behind the bench. Right. And when you look at, you know, if you're management and you're Billy Zito or your your Florida Panthers ownership, it's easy to just say, well, Florida outplayed us. We got out coached by John Cooper. Um, so it's just, it's easier for us to just go ahead and, yeah, uh, I guess you know, it depends on who you can get, right? Who's willing right. to come in. Maybe you could go get Barry Trotz right now, right? Or Peter DeBoer. These are two guys you could look at and be like, well, cool. They could, uh, they could make some, some drastic improvements. And these are guys that have a better resume, better pedigree than Andrew Burnett. And, you know, Andrew Burnett's still going to get, he'll go out and he'll get an assistant coach somewhere and he'll, he'll get his opportunity to be head coach again down the line. There's no doubt about that, but, um, you know, right now, I mean, he just he couldn't adjust. He couldn't make changes, and I mean, it, it's I hate to say, it, but I think it cost him his job. But they did win a round for the first time since 1996, so that is huge. Like sure. we, we can't take that away. I was trying to think, would I rather have the Leafs lose in that game seven against Tampa, or would I rather them won that and then get swept by the Panthers in the next round, the way that the Panthers got swept by the Lightning? And that's actually a hard choice. <laughs> Because oh, I'd rather lose in the first round than get swept in the second round. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean it's a hard like. On the one hand, it means you won a round, but on the the other hand, your expectations go up, and then you're really crushed. Um, I I mean I I think you still pick you win a round because uh, you won your round right. Like that was something hanging over the Florida Panthers organization. They were yeah, the longest tenured team to not have won a, a round since they what? struggled to get out of that first round with a Washington team that is. Much older, sure. a lot less deep, terrible. I mean, not terrible goaltending, but not very good goaltending. Yeah, under this average. Is a, a, 
you know, a team that I feel like if Tampa or Toronto had gone up against Washington, they would have walked all over them. Yeah, um, I don't you know, disagree. Maybe not four games, but, yeah. you know, still. Yeah, so. you know, uh, it's it's a tough call because you've got a guy who's up for coach of the year, and maybe that shouldn't matter, but maybe for this team, hey, we, we won a round in the playoffs. This is like an improvement, and let's see how far <laughs> – uh, Andrew Brunette can take us. I again. I think it really depends on who you actually can get to come there. You know, sure. if, if oh, you're absolutely if you're you like Andrew Brunette, and maybe you just want to surround him with some new assistants or different assistants. Uh, that also is a solution because of the firing mid year. You know, you don't get necessarily the guys you want in the other portions behind the net, uh, and and perhaps some of that. You know, if if you could bring in an experienced assistant coach, maybe that makes the difference, and Andrew Burnett gets to stay as the head coach because the players like him. I, I know, I like you can tell the players like to play for him. Oh sure, what's not? I'm sure he's a player's coach. I mean, that's that's the kind of guy he comes off as to me. He doesn't come off as the disciplinary, you know, stern guy. But you know, again, three point two percent on the power play 71 percent on the penalty kill the numbers weren't good on special teams and maybe yeah you could point right. the figure and there, if you're andrew burnett at spe- at your assistance but uh, i think that's I mean, where they it, go that's that's your i mean your assistants are generally the ones running your special teams so i think that they go not rod you know what? <laughs> well yeah well rod brindamore is it we're not yeah if you could if rod brindamore was willing to jump ship and come to florida sure i'm in i rod brindamore well, <laughs> Of a that's great not going to happen. But, no. but what I'm getting at is like his power play has been dismal. And so last the last game I saw, he he grabbed the clipboard right in game. I think it was game three or whatever, and he was running the power play at that point. And it didn't result in you know a power play goal. But still, I mean, he's taking charge, right? I I never once saw Andrew Burnett take charge like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's uh, also a coach who has been coaching for a little while, and this is Andrew Burnett's first shot. Well, anyways, sure. Uh, we'll we'll. We'll see what happens. I don't think he's going to get fired, but you certainly do. So we'll see what happens. Uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, John Tortorella interviewed to be the Flyers coach. That would be an interesting marriage. Uh, interesting. Can you uh, can you see Tor? I mean, I guess I'll say in terms of style and the type of guy Torts is, he maybe fits in better with the Flyers culture than any other head coach in, that's out there, in my opinion. I mean, just yeah. a, a tough-nosed, you know, pulls no punches, willing to say whatever he needs to say kind of coach. I mean, and and holds guys accountable. I think that the accountability side of things for the Flyers got out of hand this last season. Uh, I mean, do you think that it's a fit? I don't hate the idea, though. I mean, I I certainly think he does. I mean, he does squeeze a lot out of guys that maybe just aren't as talented, right? When you, I mean, look at what he did in Columbus, right? He had a, a roster that on paper wasn't as talented. I mean, minus the year he had Duchesne and Panarin. But um, really, he, he was always competitive with that, that Columbus team that just never had superstar players. And you look at this, this Philadelphia team, they've got maybe one or two guys that are, you know, pushing that, that star player um, potential with like, you know, Ivan Provorov or, you know, maybe you could throw in Kevin Hayes or, I mean, I don't really know, but I mean, um, and, he, and he did coach Cam Atkinson to hit the best years of his career. 
Sure. Yeah. Here's and it's, that. it's more than possible that, you know, he can get a little bit more out of Travis Konechny cause he's a guy that I just, you know, he's, he's one of those players where I just keep wanting a little bit more. And, um, I, again, I don't, I don't hate the idea of, of Torts being the coach of Philadelphia. I know they interviewed, uh, you know, Barry Trotz as well. And yep. another coach actually that I thought about that could be another good fit for Philadelphia might be Mike Babcock. I think this would be a, mm. a good place for him to go in and, you know, again, he, he demands a, a lot out of his players. He's not the player's coach, and he holds everybody accountable. And that's kind of what I think Philadelphia needs. And that's, again, why I think John Tortorella would be a good coach, because he holds everybody accountable. Yep. And No matter you know, who you gonna, are. No matter who exactly. you are. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny hearing all the stuff about potentially Joel Quinville trying to get back into the league. Uh, it was like, all right, Joel uh, I get it. You've been taking little classes or something. Um, <laughs> that's supposedly that's what he's been doing, um, and that's fine. Like, okay, you can it's certainly like people people deserve the chance to learn from their mistakes. It was also ten years ago. It, it's it's hard to punish somebody for something that happened ten years ago for the next ten years following too. Like, at some point, you, you know, you, you do have to give somebody another chance. I think, and and especially when. Hey, when, if he's a good coach, which he is, he's a fantastic coach, and he can come in and help an organization, I think that you know the the second chance is warranted because uh, you know that if he works half half as hard at kind of just uh, working on his mistakes as he does working at being a head coach, then you know that he'll he will make cha- like personal changes too. Uh, and uh, you know, I I can't say for sure. I don't know the guy, but. Uh, at least that's what you'd hope. But I think of Mike Babcock, who he didn't certainly did not have the same level of scandal as Joel Quinville. Wasn't forced to to leave the league or he can come back whenever he wants. Uh, but there was a lot of shit that came out about him afterwards, right? Like all the stuff with Marner and and uh, trying to tell oh, who do you think is the laziest player on the team, all that stuff. Uh, where it was just like some embarrassing shame type of coaching, uh, kind of an old school method of coaching, I suppose. Uh, I, he has at least gone and he's kept pretty darn quiet for the last, what, what he was fired in what? 2018 or was it 2019 that he was fired? Uh, I think it was 2019. It was 2019. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's been, th- it's been three years since he was fired. I, I think now like if Babcock comes back, I think we can all go, okay, we're willing to see see how this could go with another team. Like three years is a long enough time to kind of de- like just change a little bit, change your methods, think through things a little bit differently. I don't know that seven months is long enough for me for Quinville. Like it just doesn't feel right to have him come back and just coach a new team this next year. And you're like, what was the point in firing him? You should have just like... <laughs> hey, why don't you just just take a few months and like go to go to sexual harassment training with Justin Baker? And you know, they could have hired you, and you could have sat him down and and poo pooed him for a while, and he could have come back. But no, like they 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 fired him, and they made it so that he can't coach in the league right now. That's got to last longer than twelve, like than six months. It should be you know a, at least a year, and then maybe in twenty twenty three coming back i i don't know it just seems like it needs to be a little bit of more time but 
Uh, anyways, uh, Justin, what, what else you got? What, any, any other things you want to chat about before we take off today? Uh, I mean, we got to talk about you, you know, you mentioned it to me and it, it piqued my interest. I hadn't really been giving it much thought lately, but now I couldn't stop thinking about it all day. And that's who's going to be the next coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Oh yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I, I was thinking about that earlier and then I got off on a stupid Quinville tangent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I want. I've. I told you earlier. I wanted to hear who you thought was okay. First off, who do you hope is the coach of the Red Wings? But and then who do you actually think uh, will be the coach of the Red Wings if they're two different people? Yeah. Um, to be quite honest, I don't think it'll be two different people. Now, um, Steve. Oh, Eisenman so you, you're you're uh, you you've got the no. You're in the no. Yeah. You know what I, Eiserman's thinking. I, I don't. Nobody knows what Eiserman's thinking. That's, That's the true. problem, right? Does Eiserman um, know what Eiserman's thinking? Maybe he doesn't. I have no idea. So, <laughs> uh, so the the problem is right now. Um, you know, Eiserman when he after Blashill was gone, he came out. He had a press conference and basically said, you know, hey, I'm not making any list. I'm not well, not making a list, but I'm not making any criteria for a head coach. Right? He doesn't have to have NHL experience. He doesn't have to do this and this. And I sort of sort of honed in on that doesn't have to have NHL experience thing. Um, but he did say that, you know, yes, I'll make my list. I'll go through it, will down, you know, what I like, what I'm really looking for, what I like about this candidate, and then make my calls, do my research, et cetera. <coughs> and I started to think a little bit more about what Eisenman's been doing at this organization, right? He brought in, you know, obviously Chris Draper. He brought in, um, you know, Pat Verbeek. He's brought in um, – you know, Dan Cleary, Nick Lindstrom, Nicholas Cronwall, all these former Red Wing players he's hmm. brought in because, one, they're smart, intelligent players and they know hockey. But, two, you know, he's familiar with these guys. He trusts them. He's He has a relationship with them already. And I think he's probably going to lean similar. And when he said it doesn't necessarily have to be someone with NHL experience, I started looking at former Red Wing players who could be head coaches and not necessarily have had NHL coaching experience. And I kind of, more and more I thought about it, I was really excited about the the potential of having Igor Larionov be the next coach. Wow. Igor Larionov. That's not a name Bring I've in the professor. In yes. I mean, listen, this is a team that, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, had Blashill kept this team going the same way they were in the first half of the season, he probably would have been here to finish out his contract next year. But they took a dip, right? And he's, he's the, he's a player's coach. I mean, he, he does a decent job, you know, mentoring young guys and, and developing, but really it's time to take that next step. Right. And so I think of a guy who just, his hockey IQ is off the charts and, you know, Igor Larionov is that guy. There's a reason they called him the professor. He was the smartest guy in the room. And I, I listened to an interview with Darren McCarty and he said, when we got Igor coming over from Russia, like everybody instantly respected and listened to what this guy had to say. And I think about that because Igor would be the type of guy that walks in the room, commands respect, even though he hasn't had any NHL coaching, right? The the legacy he brings to this Red Wing team, everybody knows how good and how intelligent this guy is and will listen to what he has to say. And I mean, he's done a good job already. He's, you know, he's coached the Russian junior team and already won, uh, you know, he, he he won at the World Juniors, and then, of course, now he's been named head coach in the KHL, and he's had some success there. But, you know, I think he could he could come in and just, I mean, instantly 
bring credibility and respect to the position. Again, not that maybe not that the guys didn't respect Blashill, but I think he, he kind of did lose the locker room a little bit there at the end. And, um, you know, another name I thought of too, that I think really is probably going to be in Russia for a while, just because he's doing such a good job was Sergei Fedorov as well, too. I thought this is another guy, another Russian who's just killing it, but he went out with, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the, his Russian team. They just won the, um, the, the Russian version, the KHL's version of the Stanley Cup. Uh, they were down three games to one, and he came back, and they they won the championship. And I'm thinking that's the kind of coaching you need when your back's against the wall, right? But, um, but I think you know Sergey Fedorov is, is it the uh, the Continental Cup? Yes, thank you. Um, or I guess it's the the Gagarin, Gagarin Cup. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I but I think Fedorov will still be in Russia. I think that you know they just got him under contract, so he's he's getting paid a boatload of money because he's he's the biggest name in Russian hockey over there right now, uh, outside of players. And so, uh, to me, Yuri Larionov would be an amazing choice for the Red Wings. Now, if you want to look outside that, and, oh, I, I, you know, can I can I just uh, chime in about about Larionov? Maybe oh please, uh, perhaps it is a it is a choice that Eiserman would like to make. Uh, now, Larionov was just named the head coach. Of uh, Nizhny Nov- Novgorod Torpedo in the KHL, uh, and he is expected to begin his duties in July. So he was just hired like a couple, a few weeks ago. So that would be the only. I mean, I, I'm sure he could back out <laughs> if Eiserman came calling. Um, right. Sure, he could back out. Uh, but I, I would wonder. Uh, if at this point maybe he's still, you know, he's going to do his Russian thing, and he's actually hit one of his assistant coaches is Nikolai Habibulin. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, that's just that's a pipe dream for me, and something I think that um, you know would be just an amazing fit for Detroit. But now, if you want to look outside of that, I mean, you could look at some other, um, you know, NHL available coaches, and uh, really one guy I do like. Uh, kind of a dark horse. You know, you're going to have the Barry Trots. I've even heard Mike Babcock's name thrown around about coming back to Detroit, which I don't think is going to happen. But I really like Rick Tockett as a fit for Detroit as well. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's yep. a guy who, you know, again, he's he had that Arizona team humming. They had no superstar talent. Their power play was was firing on all cylinders. I mean, they were, they were playing really good hockey with zero talent. And he's been able to do that everywhere he's been and so i think this is a guy that could you know i mean he's gonna get a job and um i think he could come into detroit and really get the most out of our players just like guys like john tortorella and you know joel quinville tend to do with you know wherever they're at they they tend to get the most out of their players yeah i you know I, rick Tocca would be a great choice for detroit just based on what he was able to do in arizona uh I think his his tenure was cut short, unfortunately, but not necessarily because of the way that he coached, more or less, just because of you know just the crap that happens in Arizona. Um, I, I think he would be a, a fantastic uh, fit, and he played right around the time that Eiserman was playing. So uh, maybe Eiserman doesn't. I don't know. Maybe they're friends, you know, or know each other. Uh, I don't know how well, but certainly they would be familiar with each other. Absolutely. Um, I think that would be yeah. a good choice. One other wild card. I'm just going to throw out this little, this little, 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 little wild card. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's a few guys hanging out there that uh, 
they they haven't gotten an NHL coaching job in a minute. Uh, but I I wonder if uh, if they would be a good fit. My my first uh, first guy that I was thinking about, I, I did think about Mike Babcock because that would just be a funny like <laughs> Mike Babcock <laughs> going back there. Uh, you know, there's Claude Julians out there. Maybe not the best fit for Detroit, uh, but there's a coach who has coached some young teams, and uh, and he's maybe not the most X's and O's type of guy, but I have heard that he wants back in, and he can he can squeeze uh, stuff out of good good players, and he has been known to uh, you know to take some of these maybe a team that doesn't have a lot of pieces yet. I don't know. Randy Carlisle's coming to my mind. Randy Carlisle. Randy Carlisle. Apparently he wants back in. And he would be a fascinating choice for Detroit because I think he he has this like almost in between a player's coach and a and you know kind of a hard nosed guy. Uh but I, I think he'd let guys play. And I, I wonder if that's something that these younger guys could use. Just somebody who I, I guess in my ideal world, I'm thinking like it would be great if the Red Wings could have like a Bruce Boudreaux, somebody who's just light. You know that you're not gonna like you're not gonna dominate every night, but you're gonna be hard to play against, and you're gonna teach fundamentals. I don't know; those are those are a couple. Claude Julian would be good at that. I don't think he'd come to Detroit though. But interesting, yeah. interesting. Yeah, There's... another name I've heard, and especially because the Detroit's. Um, you know, connection to the Swedes is they've been looking at, you know, there's been looks at a couple coaches out there, but Ricard Grong, Grongborg, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that last name right, mm, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's been tearing it up. He's pretty much the best coach, uh, you know, in Europe right now. And um, there's been talks of him coming over to the U.S. and coaching in the NHL. So uh, maybe that's one direction that Eisman looks at. But yeah, I I would love Flarianoff more than anybody else. But um, I like it. I, t- I mean, I, t- I, that would. It would be awesome if that happens. Uh, yeah. And, and maybe in the future, you know, he goes and is the head coach of this KHL team. He's successful. And, uh, I mean, I would think that the Red Wings would be the team. If any NHL team is bringing in Larry Onov, it's the Red Wings. Yeah, but here's the only con, right? The only con to bringing in a guy like Larry Onoff or Fedorov, who used it was a Detroit legend in the 90s and 2000s. How do you fire a guy like that, right? How does Iserman go to a guy like that that you're really close with and you're like, dude, I got to let you go. Like, that's just, I mean, you would hope that they're professionals, right? But, um, sure. That's, it's a little bit harder. You're going to give a guy like that a little bit more, um, uh, longer leash, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's, uh, that's all I've got. Um, I think that tonight is a huge night. You'll, I mean, probably if you're listening to this, you already know who won. Uh, I am very excited to see if Connor McDavid can, uh, you know, put himself. I don't know what. What do you think? Thirty points by the end of this series? Oh my gosh! <laughs> if uh, if if the series goes another game or two, well, it's going to go yeah. another game, but two well, games. Yeah, part of me wants Calgary to to push this to seven because I want Connor McDavid to rack up those numbers. Right, right. It'd be fun, but he also has to win. He also has to win in order to to really rack those numbers up. So I don't think, assuming Colorado goes through, I don't think Edmonton's beating Colorado quickly. I, I did hear, uh, I think it was Jeff Merrick, he said, could uh, could Connor McDavid win the Conn Smythe Trophy if he loses in the third round? <laughs> like, right. What if he has 45 points? 
by the third round. End of the third <laughs> round. Because that, that would, oh you gosh. know, if he got a, maybe another two games, three points a pop, he's at over 30 points. He goes, gets two points a game again in a game in a seven game series i mean that puts him at like 45 points <laughs> yeah <laughs> in only <laughs> in less than 20 games <laughs> oh my gosh uh well we'll see what happens. we'll see um uh, well enjoy the game tonight justin and uh we'll, we'll talk soon <laughs>